This is 50 Feminist States, a road-tripping storytelling podcast visiting all 50 U.S. states to interview feminist activists and artists about their work for gender justice. I'm Amelia Freeby, and this week, we're in Georgia. From the glaciers of Alaska to the dunes of Indiana, I want 50 feminist states. From the waves of New Hampshire to skies of Montana, I want 50 feminist states. And when you hear the cold, you know so well, sisters speak everyone, Amelia here. Welcome back to season three of the 50 Feminist States podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. This week, we are in Georgia, which is the 24th state that I've been to to interview feminist activists and artists for this podcast. It's really hard to believe we are one state away from halfway done. That state is going to be Kentucky next week, but for now, I am relishing in this moment of being almost halfway there. Next week is the last week of season three, which means that it is almost your last chance to enter our season long giveaway. Anyone who rates and reviews the podcast on Apple Podcasts will automatically be entered to win a 50 Feminist States swag pack. It's going to be a tote bag, fanny pack, stickers, buttons, notepads, pens. I've got tons of lovely 50 Feminist States swag for you. All you have to do is rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and you will automatically be entered to win. Coming up today is a really exciting conversation. While I was traveling this summer, I went to Decatur, Georgia and visited Agnes Scott College, which is a women's college there. And I visited an old classmate of mine, somebody that I went to college with actually. So JLP Prince went to Meredith College for undergrad, as did I, which is also a women's college. And they have since then studied student affairs and are now the director of community, civic, and global engagement at Agnes Scott. I was really excited to reconnect. I think it's always fun to learn what people that you used to go to school with or do work with are doing now. And JLP is doing really fantastic work at Agnes Scott. And the college itself is just doing really interesting things as they educate women and gender nonconforming and non-binary folks to be global citizens and leaders in today's world. So we're going to hear all about that in this episode. Like some of the previous ones in this one, I'm just going to share my lightly edited conversation. So you'll kind of get to hear JLP and I go back and forth. I really enjoyed my time with them and I'm so excited to share this with you. So thanks for tuning into season three. Here's JLP now. So my name is JLP Prince. I use they, them pronouns, and I currently work as the director of community, civic, and global engagement at Agnes Scott College. I love being at Agnes Scott. Um, It is an awesome community. Um, It's a place that their mission of educating women to think deeply, live honorably, and engage the intellectual and social challenges of their time resonates through everything that everyone does on this campus. That's so cool to hear. And I want to dig into all of that as we talk. But I'd love to really start by just acknowledging that we know each other from college. We did our undergrad at the same place, which was also women's college, but not this one. So can you tell me a little bit about your journey from Meredith to here at Agnes Scott? Yeah, definitely. I, um, when I was in college at Meredith, I knew that I wanted to work um, in student affairs and within higher education. Um, and I wanted to be someone who empowered students the way that I had been empowered by the staff members and faculty members um, 
at Meredith. And so following um, graduating from Meredith with a degree in religious and ethical studies, I um, pursued my master's in college student development at Appalachian State. While I was there, I got to experience a lot of different things. I got to see how a public school was run, how a co-ed school was run, the differences between the two. Um, And for my capstone internship experience in graduate school, I did it at Salem College in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, which is also a women's college, actually the oldest continuously operating women's college in the country. It was founded before the country was. So that experience reaffirmed my passion for women's colleges and the environments that they create. And so when I was job searching, um, I joked that my Bible for my job search was Lauren Pope's 40 Colleges That Changed Lives, which Agnes Scott is prominently featured in. And I knew that I wanted to be at a women's college. So when Agnes Scott posted a position, I immediately applied It's actually funny, that was not the position that I ended up being hired for. But luckily, due to the Summit Initiative, there were three other positions that were created, um, one of which was the Assistant Director for Community Engagement, which was the position I ended up being hired for. And so I've been here at Agnes. Um, July 1st was my five-year anniversary. It's really hard to believe that I've been here that long. And so this year's seniors is my sixth group of seniors that I'll get to see graduate. That's so cool. And it just must be so empowering to like empower students to move through the school and then see what they do afterwards. So your position, as you said, now is director of community, civic and global engagement. Just a few minor yes. things. A few um, things. <laughs> what what does that entail? What kind of work are you doing? Um, so one of the things that I love about my job is that I'm one of the very few people in the country that have this unique combination of responsibilities. Um, so community engagement tends to be when you think about volunteer service um, is probably the most the thing that's most closely aligned. Um, I plan service projects. I connect our students to nonprofits in the local community um, so that they can do service on their own. I host tables in our dining hall during lunch where nonprofits can advertise their volunteer opportunities and just help students get to know the Decatur and Atlanta community beyond campus. The civic engagement is more of a voter registration piece, and so I frequently host voter registration drives on campus to get students um, registered to vote. During election cycles, we will, my office pays for postage for students to mail absentee ballots if the postage isn't paid for by their um, home counties. Um, We also frequently have postcards available so students can write to elected officials and we will pay for that postage for them. And so we're trying to push and encourage students to become engaged within politics, both at a local scale and a, at a national scale. And then the final piece of global engagement is really what makes my position unique. It is every, it's helping students see that global isn't just elsewhere. Global is here in Atlanta. Um, and that if you want to engage with the world, the world is already here. And so some of that is on-campus activities such as we host an international coffee house with our International Student Association where our international students can talk about their home country. We do global screen on the greens where we pick a kid-appropriate friendly movie um, that has global themes and show that on campus and that's open both to students on campus and to the broader Decatur community. But then it's also getting them off campus into the global Atlanta community. And so um, we take advantage of 
the different festivals that Atlanta has, such as Japan Fest and the International Night Market and the Greek Festival. You name it, there's a festival in Atlanta about it. And so getting them out into the community and experiencing the global nature of it. I really love that. I think something that's come up a lot in these interviews I've been doing is how much the organizers and artists I'm talking to are really thinking about the connections between the places they live, which sometimes are really small. Like Mm -hmm. I've been to Water Valley, Mississippi, a town of less than 4,000 people. And like people there are thinking about how their work connects to the whole world. Mm -hmm. And so it's really cool to hear that being focused on here as well. And that is really threaded through all that I do and not just the global pieces. Mm -hmm. And so um, even the service projects that we do, if, for example, um, in A couple of weeks, we're taking students to volunteer with Trees Atlanta, um, which is an organization dedicated to maintaining and enhancing Atlanta's urban forest and tree canopy. Um, It ties in perfectly to what's currently happening around the world with the fires in the Amazon in Brazil and deforestation that's happening in Russia and in Africa right now. And so our students, um, and I'm an amazing group of student leaders called the Impact Peer Leaders, who each have a social issue they're assigned to and then plan service and educational events around that. And just before we started talking, I had one of them come in and was like, I'm so glad that we're doing Trees Atlanta next week because we can connect it to all of these other things Mm -hmm. that are happening around the world to show students that even though we may not be able to fly down to the Amazon and throw buckets of water on the fire, Mm -hmm. we can do something small here to ensure that there is an increase in maintenance of the tree canopy um, and the role that that plays in the world. Yeah, that's so important. I mean, I think especially living in the U.S., we often think about like, well, we should fly down. And it's like flying there destroys more trees. Exactly. (laughs) Any help you can do or you to show up um, in Brazil or elsewhere. But could you talk a little bit more about that program? I'm just intrigued to hear what what the different areas they're working on. Yeah, definitely. And so um, these are students who apply to be a part of the program and go through an interview and selection process. Um, Topics for this year include housing, access and affordability, water, um, immigration with a specific focus on undocumented immigrants. We have Um, a student who's doing education. Mental illness is another one. We have someone doing accessibility for individuals with disabilities. We have one student who this year has taken a unique approach in looking at interfaith service as her as her focus and um, using service as a way to bring people from different faith communities together to dialogue across religion. Um, And so the topics are determined by the students um, in their interview and there are certain topics that I try to make sure are always covered and so we tend to always have someone focused on the environment or someone always focused on housing. Um, But then the rest are kind of filled in just by the student's personal interest. And so in past years, we've had ones on historic preservation, um, civic engagement, racial justice, queer rights. And so it really is determined by the students and shaped by the students in terms of the direction that they want to go. Um, with their topic. And as part of the program, they're required to plan a number of events over the course of the year. A certain number of those have to have a global focus to them. Um, And then it tends to break down about half of them being direct service and half of them being um, more educational in nature. Mm -hmm. This is so cool. I mean, it just, it's sounding to me like this amazing little like organizer boot camp (laughs) happening right here. Um, do you have now that you've been here for like 
you know, worked with five groups of seniors moving through, as you said. Have you seen any of that work translate into like the work students are doing after they leave Agnes Scott? Somewhat. um, So this program that I'm specifically talking about, this is only our third year. So this is um, this is a pretty new program that I implemented um, since I've been here with the help of a graduate intern from um, West Georgia um, University. But we see it already in who our alumni are and who and what they're doing. Um, I think one of the most prominent, some of the most prominent examples right now is um, Yami Cambrone, who is a muralist and artist who has been a part of the Living Walls Project here in Atlanta, who uses her art to tell immigrant stories. She actually has some amazing art sitting outside my office that I'm gesturing at right now. Um, There's a mural in downtown Decatur that she's done. And there's a mural at the Georgia State Marta Station that she's done, and it's an amazing. She's now working as a art teacher for Freedom University, which provides undocumented youth with college-level education to help them bridge the gap because currently here in Georgia, undocumented students are excluded from attending the top three public universities. And so another example would be Grace Starling, who graduated in 2016, um, who has been a major advocate for um survivors of sexual assault and rape to the point that like she was known on the state hill because of her activism and she just completed law school this past year we have another alumna named kitty murray who is an older alumna but started the refuge coffee company to provide new refugees with job skills and training but also a space for them to come and gather together and is based out of clarkston georgia and so we have this long history of having having these activist alumni and these alumni who are truly making a difference and a change in the world around them. And so I'm just happy to be able to continue that tradition and help these students figure out the best way to make a difference for the causes that they're passionate about. That's so important. And it I just see it as such a great tool to combat the sort of like paralysis many people feel of, mm-hmm. of seeing injustice and not knowing what to do about it and then doing nothing. And obviously <laughs> these students are doing so much and um, college and, you know, the Decatur and Atlanta area can be such a great place to mm-hmm. um, start that work, which yeah. is awesome. But kind of my next question was a bunch of questions at once. And I think we started touching on it, but well, I just found on your LinkedIn, <laughs> your headline on LinkedIn, which is maybe not the best way to start a question, but it is educating students to be engaged global citizens. And I think a lot about this kind of phrase, global citizens, and I'm just wondering, like, what that means to you and to your work here at Agnes Scott, either most generally or maybe there's a specific example you can Yeah, for, for me, I, um, I steal um, my definition of citizenship from Breakaway, which is a, one of the organizations that we work with and they provide support to college campuses around the world with alternative breaks and they define citizenship as making community a priority in your thoughts actions and decision making and so for me with that headline um, is that through my role I want to empower students so that they make their global community a priority as they make as they think about things, as they make decisions, and as they act. It's up to them to determine what that means for them. But for me, it's that thinking beyond myself and my immediate surroundings to think about what's the larger sphere of influence um, that I have. 
how does or does like social justice play into that idea? So it's one of those things that for me, it's a lot of places where I have privilege and recognizing that I have privilege in certain areas and using that power for for good um, and using that to highlight the voices and to advance the voices of others who don't have privilege in those areas. Um, and so some of that comes from my work with students in terms of ensuring that the voices in the room are heard and making sure that different perspectives are taken into account and literally ensuring that there are seats at the table that everyone can fit in. Um, and then on the other end of that, it's also training students so that even if they are not at a point where they are the most advocate for an identity group, that they at least have a basic sense of respect and they know how to conduct themselves in a way that is is respectful and is open and understanding of other people's experiences. Thinking then about the fact that all that work is happening kind of in this women's college setting, how can we better empower women to be global citizens right now? I think one of the the biggest areas is showing showing women and gender nonconforming and non-binary individuals that they can be leaders. And that comes largely from seeing themselves um, in positions of leadership. That's one of the reasons that I think I thrived as a leader in my undergraduate environment at Meredith um, was because it was a women's college. And so all of the leaders in your clubs and student organizations and SGA were women. Um, similarly, here at Agnes, everyone in a position of, of leadership in terms of student organizations and SGA is a woman or a non-binary individual or a trans man. And so it provides these examples of leadership to the first years coming in. I had a conversation with a student last week who um, who was a first year who uses they, them pronouns and was like, I've never met an adult that uses they, them pronouns. And even as a staff member, seeing seeing me in a position of power as a non-binary person gives them hope and they see themselves um, in a different way. Um, so that for me is a prime part. The other thing too is that if you look at the, ca- the president's cabinet here at the college, um, it's mostly black women. And then our president is a white woman um, who actually has a non-traditional background. She's not from higher education. She actually worked in um, Obama's administration. Um, and so that in and of itself also provides an example for the students who attend our college that I've never seen something like this at any other institution I've been at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when I do reflect back on being at Meredith, um, and then my transition from there into graduate school, I just felt so empowered in my own intelligence. And I really do attribute that to just constantly being in spaces full of women and never feeling that sort of hurdle. I always had to jump over a step past to even say a word in a classroom space. I'd love to hear more about just like anything else that you're doing in Decatur or the Atlanta area, but is there anything else you wanted to say about your work here at Agnes Scott? I absolutely love being here at Agnes Scott. We're not perfect by any means of the word, but nobody is. But to be in a place that strives for that perfection in terms of building a community where 
each person is truly valued as an individual with all of their identities has been transformative for me in the work that I've done. It's also allowed me to explore my identity um, and to develop as a person. And I am a better professional and I'm a better person because of the time that I've spent here at Agnes Scott. Um, And I truly, truly love what we do here. That's so wonderful to hear. I also just feel like in our world today, just talking to somebody who loves the work they do is such a nice feeling. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Especially when that work is helping so many, so many people. Exactly. So outside of my work at Agnes Scott, just me as an individual, um, my biggest thing that I'm a part of is OutlanaCon, which is an LGBT plus um, sci-fi fantasy nerd gaming convention um, that happens each year. Um, and will be happening in March of 2020. Um, And so I am the programming director for that event, which basically means that I oversee the entire programming schedule. And so um, we have different tracks. And so we have everything serious from we have a um, activism and culture track um, and a writers and comics track. And then we have more lighthearted, a fandom track. That's more of just general geekery. Um, there's a game shows and entertainment track. Um, we recently just added a track that we call the unmentionables, which tends to be like your after dark 18 plus, um, conversation. And so it's, it's a great space because when the convention was created, Um, the more norm geek culture wasn't as receptive to the LGBTQ community, and that's why they created um, this convention. And so this convention has really become a safe space um, for um, queer geeks to hang out, um, support one another, um, and learn and have fun. And so I truly love the work that I do with that convention. Um, I'm also highly involved in a lot of the other nerd conventions here in Atlanta. Um, And so this most recently, um, I was on a panel at MomoCon about representation of diversity um, in fandom. And then at DragonCon, I will be on a panel about representation of diversity in cartoons specifically. And so that has become a new outlet of sorts of sorts where I am really getting to share my knowledge that I've gained from being here at Agnes Scott about the importance of diversity and representation and applying that to my totally outside of work social fun setting. And so I'm super excited about those opportunities as well. That's super cool. As someone who's not doesn't live in geek culture, could you give me like the brief spiel about what you might say on one of these panels or kind of where those conversations go? Yeah, definitely. So at the panel at MomoCon, um, we talked somewhat about um, we brought up things such as um, the new She-Ra that is on Netflix and its representation of girls and women of different racial Um, backgrounds and different sizes. Um, We talked um, also about Sailor Moon and how for many young queer girls that was the first time they ever saw queer representation, Um, even if the American media tried to wash it as they're just cousins. We had a long conversation about representation in books and specifically young adult books. There happened to be a couple of 
um, high school English teachers in the audience who were looking for suggestions. And so we were naming books that we really enjoyed that did a good job of representing various different identities. But it really truly is just, it tends to be more of a Q&A panel. Um, and so we let the audience guide the conversation and we just talk about the experiences that we have um, and the things that we've seen. Um, lots of talk about Steven Universe um, and its representation of femme and non-binary individuals. Um, and so, yeah. That sounds great. Uh, and like a whole other world of this that I don't even know very much about. Thank you so much for interviewing me. Um, I, I've really enjoyed going back and forth with you um, in planning this. And um, it's it's really cool to get to talk about my work because while I do talk about it a lot, it's rare that I get to talk about it with someone outside um, mm-hmm. of the Agnes Scott community and get to brag yeah. um, about where I work. So. Awesome. Well, I'm so happy to hear all of it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks so much to JLP for being on the podcast and to you for listening to episode 24, part one of 50 Feminist States season three. Got three more episodes for you before the season ends. Again, just a reminder to go rate and review the podcast on iTunes slash Apple podcasts uh, before next week, which is when our season three giveaway ends. So you have a little over a week left to enter and then somebody will be winning that 50 Feminist States swag pack. You can also find us on Instagram at 50 Feminist States. That's F-I-F-T-Y Feminist States for more updates and behind the scenes takes between episodes. We also have a newsletter that you can subscribe to at 50feministstates.com slash newsletter. That's F-I-F-T-Y feministstates.com slash newsletter, which is where I make all of our extra exciting announcements and share notes from the road while traveling. We've got one more episode from Georgia this week, and then we'll be in Kentucky. Until then, I'll see you on the road. this episode of 50 Feminist States. You can find show notes at 50feministstates.com slash podcast and follow us on Instagram at 50feministstates. Special thanks to Danielle Sines and Jessica Naria for our theme song. Until next time, wild ones, we'll see you on the road.